0: morning. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 8 and I'd like to continue where I left off last week and want we'll to talk about faith and obedience in Matthew 13 and Jesus begins to talk to the multitudes and he tells them about the sower sows the word. And then when he's finished, he says, He that has an ear, or he says, um, When the seed falls upon good ground, it produces 30, 60, and 100-fold. And then below that he says, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And the word hear, if you look at that word in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and you'll see this in various verses um, where you'll see take heed and do the commandments, hear and do. Hearing is not just hearing in the Bible. Hearing carries with it the majority of the time a hearing and a doing. So Jesus says that to the multitudes. Now the multitudes had various heart conditions that would enable them to either receive the word of God, or just hear it with their physical ears and never really hear in the biblical sense where there now is faith produced and there is a doing of what is heard. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why, why do you keep speaking in parables? And he goes on, he says, because it's, it's given to you, or for you, to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So uh, what was the difference between the multitudes and the disciples that walked with Jesus? Well, one main thing was heart condition. And the whole tenor of that whole parable of sowing the seed, sowing the word, deals with heart condition. The, the seed sown in various soil conditions is referring to heart conditions. And so now, when you go down here to Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, we've read this verse many times in church, but there's there's quite a bit here, and there's, you know, it's just like anything else, we can become immune to things, you know, you, you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you think you know it, you think you move in it, you think you function in it, and then you find out when... The test comes that maybe you don't know like you need to know. And so he says here, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to test you, to see what's in your heart, or so that you would uh, be proven in the test. You know, what's going on? Well, here's the test in the wilderness. Are you going to be proven in that? are you going to pass are you going to allow him to test your character are you going to have resolve to continue with him so this all happened with the israelites and it happens to christians today it no difference except we're not in a physical wilderness that's about the only difference so he checks your motives for serving him he checks your motives for walking with him you know do you want him do you want his character and so on and so forth it will take Faith in God in the test. We must have faith in God. And in Hebrews, as I shared last week, Hebrews 6.1, he talks about the elementary principles, and he, toward the end of the verse he says, and faith toward God. The word translated in the King James and New King James, toward, is the preposition in the Greek epi, E-P-I. And that means faith upon, toward, and upon. And then the latter part, this is another meaning. It means, and I wanted to write this down, the rest following the motion. So your faith, my faith, whatever faith God has given us, is to move out from our lives toward God and then rest upon him. Not rest upon anything else, not rest upon what we want, what we think, how we think things should be. It's not to rest upon healing like you see all these uh, different people do you know, in Christianity. It's not to rest upon that. Now, God does heal. God does do these things. But for our faith to be what it is to be, uh, and the safest faith, if you want to call it that, that, is to rest upon God alone regardless of an outcome in your life. Because faith doesn't see the outcome. See, faith sees God. And unless the Lord shows you the outcome, unless the Lord shows you the result of your faith in in a particular thing, then that's different. And you can have faith for this or that or, or whatever. But primarily, first of all, faith is to rest upon God. Epi, upon, upon Him, Him alone. And in Judges... Hold your place there. I just want to come back to one verse. Judges 4, excuse me, 3 verse 1. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left. Why would the Lord leave the nations there in the land? He's going to give the land to the Israelites. Well, he says here that he might test Israel by them. That's the reason. You know, why did they have to, you know, constantly go in, in battle with these different uh, people? He goes on And he he says, um, this was only so that the generations of Israel, children of Israel, might be taught to know war, war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonites, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal, Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. Verse 4. And they were left that he, the Lord, capital, he, might test Israel. So as I said in the beginning here, any test that we encounter, we must encounter that by faith or we will fail, first of all. You know, our faith must rest upon him. Now I'll continue on in the verse here to know he's going to test Israel by them To know whether they would obey the commandments. So you'll see this in various places, especially in in Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Exodus, where you see this obedience thing constantly come into the picture. So, you know, obedience is important, and we're going to get that to that in a minute. But, you know, faith, you know, what is faith? Well, I know what it says in Hebrews about faith. But faith is, I believe, hearing what God says. I kind of paraphrase it. Hearing what God says to you specifically and doing it. But see, to hear and to do will require a certain heart condition. Remember, the, the sower sows the word. And so, Heart condition can change. You know that. It can change and get worse. It can change and get better. Now, Jesus was likening this to sowing seed in the soil. So you go out to your garden after a long winter, and you find that the soil is hard. So now, if you would go out there and just spread the seed on that hard soil, something may uh, crop up, but you're not going to get a production like you would if you were to work on the soil. So, so God works on the soil. So you go out there and you turn the dirt over, you break up the clods, you, uh, you, know, you know, clean it up a little bit, you add manure. Has the Lord ever thrown some manure on you? Well, it's because, you know, you need some growth you know, and all these different things that you, you do in the natural to cause something to grow, well, that there's a type of that in the in the spiritual realm, I believe. And so, you know, here the Lord wants you to grow. He wants things to occur in our lives. And so there there's two main elements you see in the scriptures, faith and obedience. And To obey the Lord. So you cannot really obey the Lord without faith. So let's say I'm an expert in some field, and I say to you, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to get this certain result you're looking for, you know, be it whatever it is. And and you don't believe anything I say. So if you don't believe anything I say, are you going to do what I'm saying? No, you're not going to obey what I'm saying, or you're not going to do what I'm saying because you don't even believe me. You don't believe I know anything about this area of expertise that I'm in. And so, you know, the Lord is an expert in doing, you know, what he he does in producing growth. And so, in order to obey him, I must have faith. I must have faith and believe in him and trust him if my faith is resting upon him then i will obey him but if i if i don't have faith upon god then i'm not going to believe what he says so it says uh, in galatians uh, about you know you sow and you reap well i don't believe if i sow this i'm going to reap because when i'm looking at this thing i'm sowing it it doesn't look like what you're saying over here well you know that's a spiritual law and what you sow, you reap in some way. So if I don't believe that, I don't have faith in God in that area, then I'll sow whatever I think's right. But see, there will be a reaping. So, so faith is coupled with obedience. See, we must have faith in God or upon God. Everybody says faith in God. But like I said, there are, there are prepositions in the Bible, and it's probably in there too, it says in God. But the one I looked at in Hebrews is upon, which to me is a little different. Now, in uh, 1 Corinthians, so we are to have faith to walk in a certain path. We are to have faith to walk in our specific path the Lord lays out for us. See, we have to have faith upon him. Or we won't do that. We won't walk in the way he has cut out for us personally. We will go another direction. We will do another thing. Uh, We will say, well, I think this is the Lord. I think that is the Lord. And, you uh, you know, whatever. And we'll go another way. But true faith upon God will be obedient to the path he cuts out for us. So uh, well, I don't like that. I don't like to teach. I don't like to get in front of people. What's that have to do with anything? You know, is faith going to take you where you don't want to go? Well, yes, it will. Faith in God is that. It's in Him, and that's the end of it. Now comes the obedience. Now comes the walking out of it. Now comes all these other things. You know, the purpose that He has in mind for your life and, and what have you. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9, see, there is a faith to follow. And we'll look at a verse in a little bit. God calls us to follow him. God doesn't call us to knowledge. See, the apostles were not called to knowledge. They were called to... Follow. So in the following, they received knowledge, the knowledge of God, they received the wisdom of God, and so forth. But they weren't called, that was not originally in the call, they were called to follow. So we're not called to knowledge, we're called to follow in the path, in the path of obedience for us. And along that path, We will receive the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God. We'll begin to understand his ways and all that. But see, without obedience, we won't follow. We won't follow. So faith, it's necessary to have faith, and it's necessary to have obedience, or we're not going to get too far. Now, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, Verse 27, he says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So your body will want to go one way. And the way your body will want to go is to fulfill the lust, its own desires, all that that Paul calls the flesh. Your body will take you in that way unless... The Spirit of God gets a hold of us, and He he begins to show us and help us to keep things under, like Paul says, keep things, you know, where they are to be so that the focus is not what I want, the focus is not my emotions, the focus is not uh, this, that, or the other thing, the focus now becomes the Lord, walking with the Lord. Uh, obeying his way, his path for us. So Paul says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest, or, you know, something else might happen, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway, the King James says. The New King James says that I should become disqualified. Disqualified. Disqualified for what? Not heaven, because you've called upon the name of the Lord, but disqualified for certain rewards. You disqualify yourself. That's not the Lord doesn't do it. You do that. I do that. So Paul, without faith and obedience, could not keep his body under subjection. We can't either. So that's why these two components are so important to the Christian, because if not, we can become disqualified. See, we can come to church, we can do religious things, but see, unless we have faith upon God and the obedience to walk in the path that he's cutting out for us personally, if we don't have those two things, we can become disqualified. Now, I said you have to have Have faith to follow, and of course you have to have obedience to follow. So if you know the Lord is going here, and and you're following Him, you know you have faith, and you're obeying the path, you know His direction in the path, His directives. So you know following is not hard. Now we want to make it harder than it is. It's very simple to follow. Uh, You just you know. Look at the Lord, you keep your eyes on Him, and you you walk, you go, you follow Him. I mean, He'll lay out the path for you, He'll show you what you need to know right now, today. He'll open things up. And, and so it's, it's not so difficult to say, Well, I, I don't understand spiritual things. Well, maybe it's because you've never been birthed from above. You know, maybe that's why you don't understand certain things. But to follow, when Jesus walked by, he said. To the disciples, to Andrew and Peter, follow me. What did they do? Did they try to figure it all out and say, you know what? You know, what's this religion? What's all? No, they dropped what they were doing and they just you know, walked with Jesus. And then they began to learn things. See, their hearts were softened and now they understood certain things. So he says you can be disqualified. Now let's turn to Matthew 7. Now, do you remember a portion of Scripture where uh, I, think it, I think John says to Jesus, um, they saw someone casting out devils. And John says to Jesus, and I told them because they're not with us not to do that. And Jesus says, don't forbid him to do that because he that is not against us is for us. So he, he was saying that, that, that that's okay. They're on the same side as we are. So now in Matthew 7 here, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's not talking about heaven, it's talking about the kingdom of God. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, casting out demons, or doing mighty works, you know, or doing anything that we would consider works in Christianity is not the key issue. Like someone said, we have to do something. We have to do something. Well, no, you don't. You need to follow the Spirit. That's what you need to do, not just go out and do something. See, he says here, not everybody says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into this place, the kingdom, where where there is maturity, where there's development and, and all that but those who do the will of my Father. Verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? See, they were doing this. They were on the same side, but they were not doing the will of the Father. They were out there doing. And have we not done many wonders or wonderful works in your name? Then I will declare to them, that I never knew you, I never knew your condition. Now listen, he's not saying, okay, you're going to hell. That's how this is interpreted. I never knew your condition, depart from me, you who work lawlessness. That word means lawless. In other words, they weren't under the direction of the Spirit of God. They weren't under the moving and walking with the Spirit. They went, did something for the Lord. They went out there, and they cast out dem- demons, and they did this, and they did that. And people benefited from that, but Jesus says, depart from me. In other words, you know, you can't be in this close proximity to me because you were working your own thing. You were lawless. I, I, I probably couldn't teach this anywhere else. they probably wouldn't, wouldn't believe it. Because everything in Christianity is saved and unsaved. That's a, they relate everything to that. Apart from me. Well, did they have faith upon God, Epi? Or did they have faith in doing things, doing works? Now, the works are good, don't get me wrong, but I'm trying to show you here that you know, th- there can be a fine line sometimes in things. And, you know, maybe the Lord wanted them working in a soup kitchen, and not casting out devils. Maybe he had that work for someone else, but yet they didn't do the will, like she said, of my Father who was in heaven. They did what they thought. So there is faith upon God, and then there's faith that goes in other directions. Okay, let's go to Matthew 19. So we know the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, the origin of faith is through hearing the word of God. That's how it it originates for you. See, that's why the word is preached. So that that seed would come and lodge in our hearts and that that would bring about faith to, uh, you know, move on, whatever faith for whatever. Whatever, whatever the Lord intends, faith to work, faith to stay in the test, whatever. So in Matthew 19, and by the way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by or through the word of God. Hearing, remember what I said earlier about hearing. Hearing doesn't mean hearing, it means hearing and doing. So, you know, you you say something to your kids, you're going to yell at your kids. Well, what, did they hear you or did they not hear you? Well, they might have heard you with their ears, but true hearing is hearing and doing. Get out of that. Stay out of that. Well, okay, now, faith is hearing and doing, not just hearing it. Now, in Matthew 19, this is the account of the uh, rich young ruler, verse 16. Now, behold, one came to him, Jesus, and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have inter- eternal life or that I might have uh, this perpetual life? You know, he's, I believe he's seeing something in Jesus that he's not seeing in the religious leaders. He's seeing something carry him, this perpetual life. He wants to know, you know how he, can he have that same thing? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus told him, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and so on. In verse 20, the young man said to him, all these things have I kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Or as the one gospel, Jesus says, what, you know, this is what you lack still. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, you want to be complete, you want to have character that you don't have now, sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. So you see here that in order for this man to move along the line here that Jesus is directing him, He must have obedience. So he says to him, sell what you have, give it to the poor. And to do that, he has to have faith in God. His faith has to be in God, and he must be obedient to the Lord to get the result now that the Lord is putting out there. And he says, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. See, so it would have been easy for him to come from this place of lack to a place of understanding, a place of the the beginning of richness in spirit, if he would have just obeyed the directive, just sell what you have. But many times the, the directive that the Lord gives is not obeyed, just like today, you know, we know a lot of things, but God will come with a certain directive and he'll say this is the way, or he may use someone to come in your path, maybe for whatever reason you need someone to tell you that this is the way. And so now here's the directive, and you, you must have faith in God because you're not going to see the result. You're not, it's not going to look any different. It's not going to look any better than going your own way. And then you must obey the directive in order to you know, move down the line and to, to come into other, other things. You know, rewards come into character. You know, all these things that are, that are out there that are hidden and are not seen and are kept away from the view of the multitudes. That's why the parables. They're kept away from the certain heart conditions. So if I personally obey the directive Well, then two things happen. I begin to move in a different place. And the second thing that happens is that it has a softening effect on our heart, my heart. See, whenever you obey the Lord, that has a softening effect in your heart. Whenever we do not obey the Lord, that has a hardening effect on our heart. And some directives, if we miss them, We can be in big trouble to where we have to actually sometimes turn around and go back. Or we may find that we get down the road and it's almost like the book Pilgrim's Progress, where he goes to Bypath Meadow and he's walking in the way. And all of a sudden, he's, he sees this path here, and he's convinced to go in this other path. It looks nice. It's really nice. And it's right, right next to this one. And, and he doesn't know that the path, it's not next to it. It's just a little bit of an angle. And before you know, he walks in that place for a little while, and he's lost. He's not where he should be. He's away from the path. He, he's, you know, in, in dire straits, and he's captured, and he needs to be set free. And, and that's, you know, what happens sometimes. Now, in Matthew 16, so he has to have here faith, he has to have obedience. See, there must be faith in God to follow, and there must be obedience to God to follow. So in Matthew 16, verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, Okay, here comes the directive. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, so you have to have faith, and then you have to be obedient to the directives, which is, here in this verse, denying self and picking up your cross and following him. See, so, again, both of those are important. Now, let's go over to Matthew 25, just a couple verses, This is the the ten virgins. What makes the the five wise virgins stand out from the five foolish virgins? Well, it's their attitude toward obtaining oil beforehand. Or you can say uh, obedience. See, because there's enough in the Bible to warn. There's enough warnings that the Lord gives to get ready. You know, prepare your heart. It's everywhere if you have eyes to see, I guess. So, you know, the five foolish virgins didn't do that. Why not? Well, they didn't have faith, and they weren't obedient to some of the directives. You have to be obedient to the directives in order to be prepared. See, we can't be prepared for the Lord. We can't be prepared for the marriage if we don't have faith and if we don't walk in obedience. It just doesn't happen. You walk your own way, you're not going to be prepared. So in verse 6, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. So here you have the, the coming of the bridegroom. And we know that they all went out. Five were prepared, five were not prepared. The five that were not prepared, the foolish ones, had to turn back. Now they're interested in, in getting the oil. Now they're interested in doing uh, what they should have done before. Now they're taking things seriously. And now they're going to go back and do something to, to uh, get this oil. But the problem here is that when they go to to do, whenever the the director, now they're seeing it or whatever, they start to obey, now the Lord comes. They're not prepared, and then they're shut out. What what verse is that? Verse 10. And while they went to buy, the, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those, and, and that actually, that word, if you look it up in Thayer's Lexicon, it, it means prepared. Now, those who were, were prepared went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. See. Afterward, and that word means eventually, the other virgins came also and said, "Lord, Lord, open to us." And he said, he answered and said, "Assuredly, I say to you, I do not." know you, I am not acquainted with you, I'm not familiar with you, same thing we see in Matthew seven twenty two, or 23, those who work lawless, those who went and did their own thing, uh, they, they went and they cast out demons, because that's what they thought they wanted to do with their Christian walk, not what the will of the Father was. So he says, I do not know you. And in verse 13, he says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man will come. Now, keep that in mind. I want to get to Revelation here and show you something. Isaiah, turn to Isaiah 1. Isaiah 1, verse 19. Now, here you see the same thing. If you are willing and obedient, if, 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 you, whoever, whoever, whoever's a believer, they say believer, Christian, if you are willing, in other words, if, if your will is not to do what you want or how you think, go where you want to go, do what you want to do with your life, If you are willing to go his way, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You shall eat the good of the land. So walking in the path of obedience here will bring enrichment. If you are willing and obedient, obedience will bring enrichment. You shall eat of the fat of the land. You're going to partake of something that those who are not obedient and don't walk in the path will not partake of. It's not that the Lord says, well, you get this and you don't. It's that these people order their steps after the Lord. They follow Him. See, they have faith and they are obedient to the Lord and they're going to follow Him. And wherever that path goes, they're going to have faith upon Him. Because I'll tell you something. Things have gone in my life way different than I thought when I first became a Christian. Things went, you know, I would say haywire for a while, wow, but I, I see the hand in God. And all. You see, and we know that all things work together for good. We don't know. To those who love God. So, if you love God, you're obedient to Him. This is what love means. If you're obedient to him, then it doesn't matter how the situation goes. It goes this way, it goes that way. He will work it for your good. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. We think it's only going to work good if it goes this way. Well, I'm telling you what if you walk with God and you love God, no matter how it goes, he'll work it for your good. It's amazing. So it's a, it's a win-win situation, no matter how it goes. No matter how it goes, it's a win-win situation. Oh, it's not going the way I thought it was going to go. Well, I understand that. But that doesn't mean that now you're down and out. He works all things together for good. In Revelation 3, how many here, look at me a second, how many here want spiritual gold? Raise your hand. Revelation 3. I'll tell you, you start reading the Bible, and it's an amazing book. It really is. You start to see some things and say, wow, really? <laughs> really, Lord? <laughs> is this really the way? Is this really the way we're going? So here in Revelation 3, he's speaking to the Laodicean church. He says, I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire. The place where we will get gold. And the only place is the fire. So, if the fire is turned up for some reason in my life, that means the Lord really loves me. He wants to do something with my life. He wants to give me spiritual gold. See, we don't see these things. We have this tunnel vision, and all we see is the present. Thank God that the Lord, He doesn't listen to us. If <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Because I prayed prayers years ago, and say, Lord, do this. And I went, Lord... And, you know, the Lord does what is best for us, and and that's rough to to even swallow, especially when things aren't going the way we think. But see, if the Lord wants to give us gold, which I believe He does, and if I personally want gold, then the fire will come sooner or later. It must. And the fire will be different for, you know, everyone. It'll be some other, some situation. Who knows what it may be? Or it may be multiple situations, which I believe is um, uh, what I have seen. And I haven't seen a lot, but I've seen a few things. And in various situations, you, you get in and, you know, there you go. You're in the fire. Well, the reason is that the Lord does not want us to stand before him someday without wealth. I believe he wants to put wealth in us. And and that's why the fire, that's why these various things. But see, if, if I don't have faith upon him, then I'm in trouble when I get in the fire. Remember, Peter was walking on the water when his faith was upon Jesus, but as soon as his faith wavered and it wasn't upon the Lord, and he looked elsewhere, then he began to sink. So, you know, faith, you know, we can maintain by the Spirit of God, I emphasize that, faith upon Him, upon the Lord, regardless of what the situation. And if that's the case, the directives will come so that we can obey and eat of the fat of the land. The directives will come for your enrichment. That's why they'll come, so that you would be enriched. Not just come to church. That's not it. That you would be enriched. And so circumstances take us. Many times we don't have any control over them. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we make our own choices. But sometimes they're beyond us. They're out of our hands, and, and, and there they are. And you know, I remember a time when I just looked at you know, the situation. And I said, oh, there's nothing I could do. Nothing. I said, Lord, you know, it's in your hands. I'm going to look to you, and I'll, I'll suffer the loss of whatever. I'm walking with you. And I determined, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And lo and behold, in a point of time I came out of the thing... And I look back and I said, wow, something happened in here. Well, that's because the fire burnt some things out that weren't to be in there. And the Lord put some gold in there that wasn't there before. And I didn't even know it when I was in it. The Lord, he's something. He, he's, he's good. He works. He does things that are beyond us. Exodus. You, you can go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read a verse from Exodus. Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, and this is, again, listen, if you will obey my voice, if. Now, why wouldn't we obey his voice? Why why didn't the Israelites obey his voice? Because why didn't they enter in? Because of unbelief, or they didn't have faith. See, he says, if you would obey my voice. Well, why wouldn't I? Well, because um, I might not want to have my faith rest upon him because I might be afraid. I might be afraid of some outcome. And I understand that. But rest assured, he can work all things. Did you hear that? All things work together for our good, to those who love God. Those, to, Jesus said, to love me, keep my commandments, if you love me. So there's the obedience thing again. If you would obey my voice and keep my covenant, that's again, that's the, um, the obedience. Then, what's the outcome here? Then you shall be Special, uh, King James uses peculiar treasure. Uh, New King James uses special treasure. And it basically means that you become a valued possession of the Lord. You mean to tell me that if we have faith and obedience, that we would become valued possession of His? Yes. Special... Treasure, you have, you'll be a special treasure. Now, Paul, and we'll see if we get to that. I guess we can go there now. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Is that where you are? You in Second Corinthians? Okay, Second Corinthians four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so. Paul may have gotten this from what we read in Exodus there, special treasure, treasure, peculiar treasure. He says here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. See, so there's an order there. It has to be of God. Not of us. We have to get out of the picture. In other words, we don't do what we want. We don't fulfill our own desires. We don't fulfill our own will. We don't go in the way we want to go in our life. We don't, we don't interpret what success is and go toward that. We walk with Him, and the power is of God, not of us. See, we have this treasure in earth and vessels, not the treasure of the gospel. But the treasure of Him. In other words, uh, and, uh, where's the, the verse where, I can't think of the verse right offhand here, where it talks about um, just the latter part says that the glory, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Well, how to get in there? So that, that's the treasure. How to get in there? through faith and obedience. That's how it gets in there. You walk your own way, you you hurt yourself spiritually. See, you don't move into certain things. Certain things aren't developed within. So he says here that the power may be of God and not of us. And in verse 17... For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So the eternal weight of glory here is worked out for you through the various things that you go through and how you go through them. I mean, how do you think he's going to put the glory in you? See, he has his ways. Uh, How's he going to put the gold in you? Tell me. How how, how are you going to get gold? You can talk to me. In the fire. We don't want to go that way, do we? Everything in our being, as far as the natural goes, will not want to go that way. But there is another who will reach out and, and try to bring you in or possess you so that he can take you to another place. And we don't know where the Lord is taking us. That's why sometimes we don't want to follow. That's why sometimes we don't want to obey. But if you talk to someone that has been in this for many, many years, you will find out that if they have anything in God, like Butler used to say, What the Lord had put in him, he didn't get at the five and dime or the bargain basement area. In other words, he was saying that there was a price to be paid, but it was well worth it. Just like Paul said the same thing. It was well worth it. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be of uh, of God and not of us. That the power may be of God and not of us. Now, in we'll have to stop here. I'm not quite finished, but that's okay. We'll we'll read one more verse and we'll stop. 1 Corinthians 1. Sometimes I look at the verses and I look at the prepositions because they're very enlightening, some of them. And I'll I'll give you this here. This is 1 Corinthians one five. Paul says that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. So he's talking about an enrichment, and the King James says by him. Does anybody else have another translation that says anything other than by? That... Translation here is translating, the word by is translating a Greek preposition that is en, spelled en in English, it means in. The place of enrichment here is in him. It's by him too, but it's in him. That you were enriched in everything in him. In all knowledge, whatever. So the importance of our faith upon God and our obedience to Him, to the directives, cannot be overstated because it is extremely important for each and every person so that the enrichment that the Lord has for people, for you, is realized eventually. There are many who don't realize uh, don't come into the enrichment because of certain decisions, certain choices, certain directors that they go. You know, maybe they don't hear. Maybe their soil. Maybe they don't allow the Lord to till their soil. Maybe there's big clods of dirt that the Lord wants to break up through circumstances, and they won't be in the circumstance to allow the Lord to break them up. They're going to go their own way and make their own choices so they can get out of their circumstance. So, so now that which should have been soft soil to bring this enrichment, now there's problems there. So the Lord has to, to stop and try through other, other means to do something with the soil so that there can be, you know, the enrichment that the Lord so desires. And sometimes I think that, you know, when you teach certain things like this, that it falls on deaf ears because people don't, when I see, I don't know, they must be reading another Bible than I'm reading. They don't see it. They don't see it. I've had people, you know, say things and, you know, you, you teach certain things like this, and it's almost like to them you're talking a foreign language. You know, that's, to, you know, that's not what my denomination believes. Well, sorry, just trying to read the Bible, just trying to read the Bible. So the Lord is interested in you, and he's interested in your personal enrichment. And we'll have to stop there.